Uh, don't, don't you like finding those little secret things that, that really no one else knows about? You know, the little things that you get to share with, with other people? Uh, can I tell you about my favorite new restaurant? Yeah? You guys want to know about a good... Has anyone been to Bibi Bob? Oh, okay, never mind. I tell you, it, it's become very quickly my, my favorite place. I, I used to love Chipotle, and I still, I still eat Chipotle eight, ten times a week. Um, no, not quite that many times. I still eat at Chipotle probably weekly, but, but, but I found that, that, that I, I, I tend to, to feel the sodium in the, in the chicken a little bit much, and, and BB Bops, just, it just it tastes so fresh to me. We, we, we get joy, though, in sharing things like that, right? When you find something new, something that you don't think people know about, so, so you find about a car mechanic, you, you, you have a lot of joy. <laughs> At least I hope you have a lot of joy. Some of you people hoard those kind of things so that you always can get your car in, but when you find a mechanic that you can trust... You share and you feel good about sharing when, when you find an insurance agent or you find some other service provider, maybe a car dealer, and you determine that they can be trusted. There's a lot of joy in sharing those things. The hidden benefits in something, maybe in a, in a computer program. You know, I've just discovered the benefits of OneNote. Anybody ever use OneNote? OneNote's awesome. I mean, you can share across all your platforms, across your, you know, I can put in OneNote on my phone, and it's on my computer, and it's on my iPad. So, so little things like that. We, we get great joy out of sharing those kind of things. But God is calling us to something deeper <laughs> than just sharing the best car mechanic in town or the best insurance agent in town or the benefits of BB Bop or the benefits of OneNote. God is calling us to something deeper than that. And so the, 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 the whole message of this series, to me, is that we tend to live, our natural tendency is to live on a shallow level where we don't go real deep uh, with, with other people, that, that it, it becomes about us, and, and that's pretty much it. And, and the church is this instrument that, that God uses to help us escape meism and live for something greater. That, that it, he's calling us to something deeper. And this place is intended to be an, a group of people, a family, that God stretches us to something deeper. And sometimes it's through difficult times. God stretches us to something deeper. And, and we become less me-centered. Uh, can, can, can I tell you that I struggle with being me-centered, right? Anybody else in here struggle with sometimes being me-centered? You know, I think if we were honest that, that most of us, and we, we determine our, our, our greatest hurts... Our greatest struggles is this unwillingness to put others and God at least equal to us. And we struggle, most of us struggle with this me on the throne. And so that I think the church is this entity, this particular entity that I don't think it will happen anywhere else, that allows us to push past me into we, <laughs> into what God has in store for us. 
And, and I believe it pushes us not only to just living in a greater extent for others, but into deeper conversations. That, that the church becomes this training ground where we can push past shallow into deeper. Um, my natural tendency is to be very shallow in my conversation. Any, anybody else like that? that? That is very difficult for me to go, and, and, and I'm just being very vulnerable here before you. It's very hard for me to get deep and to make connections with other people. It's, it's not my personality. I see pastors that will be at a funeral and within like 15 minutes, they know everyone in the family and they're doing every funeral this family ever has. And I get, I'm going to be real honest, deeply jealous of those pastors. Because my personality is more like this. And if you've been with a funeral with me, you know this is how I kind of am. I'm so sorry for your loss. We're praying for you. The church is praying for you. <laughs> Anybody else like that? But I'm not saying that to say that's the way it should be. What I'm suggesting is God is calling us to something deeper than that. And so we're shaped for that in this congregation. That, that this is the training ground. This is a safe place where you can allow God to stretch you to more. Now, I say that with this understanding. That there's a few of you in this congregation that have no clue what I'm talking about. You're naturally extroverted. As a matter of fact, you're extroverted maybe too much. Uh, that, that maybe people know more of the details of your life in the first five minutes of meeting you th th than they're comfortable with. Uh, just so you know, you extremely extroverted people make us introverts very uncomfortable at times, okay? Your hugs on the second time we meet may be a bit much. But most of us in this room need to be stretched to more. And, and it's not just so that we can share deeper here. I think most churches do a pretty good job of, of stretching us and allowing us to, to grow closer and deeper here. As a matter of fact, sometimes that becomes a detriment. And that all of our relationships are here and we never go deeper. We, we fill our space and we fill our time with people we know here in the church. And yet God is calling us to a world. And so I believe that the shaping is, is meant to happen at our work, at our school, in our neighborhoods. <laughs> not, not every conversation. Uh, don't, don't be that person, right? That, that every conversation, you know, hey, wh what'd you do this week? And well, I didn't do much. <laughs> if you die tonight, where would you, where would you go? Heaven or hell, okay? We, we, I don't want you to be those people. But I want you to be the people. And I want to be the person that when God gives opportunity to have deep and significant conversations, I don't shy away. 
and I'm not afraid. And I'm able to share very deeply what Paul refers to as the mystery of Jesus Christ. (laughs) What what a beautiful phrase. So we're still in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3 this week, beginning in verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of the Gentiles, surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation. So I've already written briefly. And reading this then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was made known to men in other generations, as was not made known to men in other generations, as has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I'm less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Paul's been given this great privilege of sharing the mystery known to Paul by revelation. And that, that word mystery is, is a... It's kind of a difficult word, you know. We, we when we think of mystery, you know, we we think of something that's intentionally hidden or, or or something that 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 has been withdrawn from people on purpose. But 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 this word means some sacred thing, hidden or secret, which is naturally unknown to human reason and is only made known by the revelation of God. In other words, what Paul's saying is, God didn't withhold this from you. Instead, God is giving you a gift and God is telling you something that you could not know on your own. That that you would never be able to discover this but for the grace and the revelation of God. That, That to fully understand what God is doing requires action on God's part. And God's action is an action of revelation and grace into your life and my life. So what is the mystery? The mystery is pretty simple. God's plan includes everyone. That's the mystery. Uh, you know, and, and the truth is, you know, we, we get caught up in the language. You know, Paul's talking about Gentiles, and 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 frankly, we're all Gentiles, and so 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 we begin to you know, focus on what's well, a Gentile. It, it's a call to the Gentiles, but but it's a call to everyone. And what Paul's saying is, there's no longer insiders and outsiders. There's only people that God is calling, and that's everyone. Everyone you see on your street, God is calling, and God wants to belong to his kingdom. 
th- th- those people that, we, that, that seem farthest from God, God is still calling and wooing and loving and drawing. Th- there is no one beyond God, beyond His call. See, it's easy, and I, and I think if we were honest, it's easy to make this about us and about people like us and people with similar worldviews as us. And yet Paul's calling the church to this radical inclusion of people that may look completely different than them. Now, now Paul was given the privilege of sharing this good news by God's grace. That God, through His grace, said, okay, Paul, you get to participate in the revealing of this mystery. You get to share with people that God's good news is for everyone. See, God uses people. And God uses Paul by His grace. And the truth is, since this was a grace gift, since Paul was sharing by and through the grace of God, the reality is that Paul was both sharing the grace of God and at the very same time experiencing the grace of God. That, that, that somehow, that, that when Paul would talk about the love of God, the only way he could talk about the love of God was to receive the love of God. And when he received the love of God, Paul could talk about the love of God, the grace of God. That there's this joint thing of experiencing God's grace and sharing God's grace in Paul's life. Paul, Paul makes this point very clear. He he did not feel worthy or able on his own to share this good news. Now now this is a theme throughout Paul's ministry. And and it's it's almost a contradiction at times in his writings because he'll say things, Paul, an apostle called by the grace of God. In other words, I have a calling. God has called me. And, And then in other places he'll say, I am not worthy. And and I am the least of those who've been called. But I have been called. (laughs) So I think Paul struggled with this idea that he he had this deep realization that deep down, he wasn't worthy of God's call on his life. That, That he wasn't worthy of the title of apostle. But he also wasn't going to argue with God. And God said, you're an apostle and you're worthy And you need to share the good news. God made him worthy. So what's the point for us? As Paul goes through his writing, what we see is the church is called to share this good news. That that, that we stand in a similar position as Paul. He is that Paul invites the churches always to share in his ministry, and, and oftentimes that's through financial means, and oftentimes that's through prayer, and, and so we we share in the administration of this uh, of the giving of this mystery through through prayer. We believe in prayer, right? Next week we're going to talk about prayer. Do we believe in prayer? Okay, a few of us. We believe in giving. Yeah. Okay. And Paul encourages the churches to, to share in his ministry through giving and through prayer, but, but also action. 
You know, I've heard the phrase that, that the church is the only organization, and, and I'm probably not going to say it exactly right, the church is the only organization that exists only for other people. And I, I got to tell you, I push back against that because I don't think it's true. As a matter of fact, th- th- this whole series has been about how the sh- church shapes us. That, that, that there's a shaping event that occurs in the church. And so the church benefits us as well, right? But I would say this. that The church whose mission is not solely others is not being shaped in a correct form. That, that when a church where its sole focus is itself we're not being shaped in the image of our God. That the only way that I am shaped in the image that God has in mind for me, which is the image of God Himself, the only way I am shaped in that image is if I belong to a church who is intentional about pushing itself outside these walls for others. So see, we serve and we worship and this is fundamental to, to my, my theology. It's fundamental to my philosophy of what the church should be. We serve a missionary God who has always been a God that has not waited for His people to come to Him, but has went to them. Always, throughout history. Adam and Eve are created. Adam and Eve sin in the garden. And the first thing we see is God coming to the fallen Adam and Eve and calling for them. And God, not Adam and Eve, beginning this sacrificial system by sacrificing an animal and giving them clothing and covering. God is always the one who initiates and he goes, he's, he's, a, he's a missionary God, and he calls us to be missionary people. And so if our church is not a missionary church that's consistently reaching out to our community, then we become shaped into something less than the image of God. That, that, that's why I get so thrilled when my children's director comes up with a, a, a Christmas VBS with the purpose of allowing kids that may not hear the true Christian Christmas message to hear it here. Because it's shaping us in the right image. It's shaping us into the image of God. That is all God who's always been. Let's look at it another way. You can call God a missionary God. You can call God a sending God. God has always been a sending God. And He sent prophets and He sent priests and He, sent, he sends, sends us still. And at His best, He sent Jesus. Jesus is the result of a missionary God who sent His Son into the world to redeem the world. And here we are, His people, His children, His bride that God once again sends into the world to redeem the world. The church is called to share this good news. And our ability to share is based on God's grace, not our own abilities. 
you know, I, I, I understand this. Um, I, I feel unworthy. You know, every time I stand up here and preach, I feel like, man, why did you call me to do this, God? You know, it's not something I, I strive to do. I wouldn't go, oh, man, I just can't wait. I'm... And I understand that this call to be evangelist, I mean, as a matter of fact, we don't use that word anymore because it scares people so much. This, this call to, to share the good news can be daunting. It, it can be an overwhelming task that we can be like Paul and can say, not worthy. Can I say this in a pastoral way and, and, and you guys not be offended with me? Get over yourselves. Get over yourselves. This is not about you. This is about God at work in you. And in fact, the scriptures say, where I am weak, <laughs> he is strong. And so this call to go out is not based on our own ability, but it's based on the grace of God working in us and through us. And the truth is, if you truly become active in sharing, there'll be some tough, tough questions. And I believe that, that you need to have a, a, a fundamental understanding of Scripture. You know, I, I'm concerned that oftentimes we're afraid to share because we, we just simply haven't done the work in the Word like we should. We need to have an understanding of the Word, right? Right? And we're looking at some ways, uh, some teaching methods, that maybe you could get some deeper understanding of the Word. And hopefully in January, those things will be unveiled and you'll participate in some, in some ways to understand the Bible, some ways to allow the Bible to work through your life. And, and, and we're trying to make those opportunities available. But we need to have some working understanding. We need to understand why Jesus came. And we need to understand the, what the cross means. We need to understand the resurrection. We, we need to at least be able to, to walk somebody through the basics of receiving Jesus as their Savior, right? And the truth is that there's been all sorts of training in this church over the years. Uh, you know, we, we train and train and train. The question is whether we do and do and do. <laughs> we're better at training than doing, right? We're, we're like the, the, the people that run on the treadmill but that never run a marathon. <laughs> uh, God's calling us to be out there doing. And, and, but, but maybe... Maybe you say, Pastor, honestly, I, I just don't feel ready to share the good news. Fill out a card. I'll meet with you. I'll carve some time out of my schedule just to particularly talk to you about how you can use the opportunities that God gives you to share the good news. I'll personally, I'll do time personally with you. If you just want face-to-face -face time with Pastor, this is your opportunity, okay? And I'll talk to you about scriptures and, and how we can share and how we can lead people into a, a relationship with Jesus Christ if you're interested. But then I'm going to teach you something that um, maybe, maybe is more important than even all in that. You know, throughout, throughout my life, both in the ministry and, and, and in my, my law practice, people would come to me with questions. And you know what? Sometimes I had to say, I don't know. 
You know, that's not a, that's not a bad answer, right? You, you know, when somebody asks you a question that's beyond your pay grade, <laughs> and the correct answer is, I don't know, let's go ask pastor, okay? That is not the correct answer. Here's the correct answer. I don't know, let's find the answer together. Can you say that with me? I don't know, let's find the answer together. Do you see the beauty and the possibility of growth in that simple statement? You know, what, what if that was the response we gave in difficult circumstances? Man, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know either. Let, let, let's, let's work together and let's see what God wants to do in this circumstance. What if we handled everything in life like that? See, I believe God could use difficult circumstances to stretch us, particularly in the areas where we don't know. As a matter of fact, probably we're, we're more flexible and stretchable and, and, and probably have more room for growth in those areas where we recognize that we don't know than the areas that we think we do know. Finally, and this isn't fine. Boy, you guys are all hopeful. That was finally. I've got like three more points. I'm sorry, but it's just not. This is the, these things. So sorry. Never say finally when you pass. You get people's hopes up so high. Then just dash them. We settle for less of God's grace when we fail to share the good news. We, we settle for less. I thought about a way to, to illustrate this, and I'm going to use a, a place that probably Josh doesn't like. Uh, I want you to imagine you go to Der Dutchman. <laughs> you know, the trough. Go to Der Dutchman, and, and you pay for the buffet. And when you go to the buffet, you never get past the salad section, Right? You know, salad section at Dirt Dutchman's really good. You know, the, the peanut butter spread at the table is really good. But if you do not get to the noodles and the fried chicken at Dirt Dutchman, you're, ex you're not fully experiencing the grace of Dirt Dutchman. <laughs> I'm concerned that in the church... We're satisfied with the shadow of God and not the presence of God. That, that, that somehow we've settled for the comfortable instead of the active and the outside these walls. You gotta think about Jesus. And in the time, Jesus was, and you guys affirm with an amen. We need to at least say amen every once in a while in this church, right? Jesus was fully God and fully man. Right? We, we affirm that when Jesus was here, he was the presence of God in this place. In John, I think it says something too. We, we beheld his glory and we saw grace upon grace. <laughs> a wonderful phrase of, that John uses describing the presence of Jesus. Jesus says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Interesting thing about Jesus. When, when Jesus was present on this earth, there, there were all sorts of good-intentioned religious people that were flocking to synagogues and temple. And they were looking for the presence of God, right? 
And the presence of God was here. And yet his presence, he was in the temple and he was in the synagogue, he was there. But primarily, Jesus was moving among people on the margins. That Jesus was with lepers and sinners and tax collectors and those who had been forgotten by the church. That that is who Jesus was with. What if God was still active in our world? Yeah, I believe he's active here. But, but, but what if God was still active and God was drawn to those on the margin and those that the religious folks had forgotten and those that felt unworthy and God was still drawn to those kind of people? One of the phrases that I, I, I got in my reading oh, many years ago when I was getting my MDiv was this idea of prevenient grace. This is the grace of God. We, we are prevenient grace people. We believe that the grace of God goes before. <laughs> beautiful, a beautiful concept. This grace of God that goes before and, and the phrase I saw in one article that one person, I've never seen it used anywhere else, but the person used this phrase, he is the God who is one step ahead. What if we've grown satisfied with the shadow of God because we're not with him in the margins with the people who are broken and hurting and lost? You know, when it gets warm, I enjoy the sun, <laughs> right? What if we're just settling for shade instead of sun? See, I believe God calls us out from comfort zones. And he calls us to uncomfortable circumstances. And in these uncomfortable circumstances, he stretches us and he uses us. And we become partakers of the mystery. And we become sharers of the mystery of Jesus Christ. So, so how, does the, how does the church share the good news? Um, I, I don't know why it's become like this in the church. But, but we tend to think of evangelism, um, of sharing the good news, as this solitary endeavor. endeavor this, this thing that we we do by ourselves, and, and I think it's, it's a misunderstanding of fishing that, that, that when Jesus says you'll be fishers of men, Jesus is not talking about people with fishing poles, but people with fishing nets. That, that fishing was a team sport for them and it's a team sport for us. That, that we need others. As a matter of fact, I, I think most of the time we're not well suited to do this on our own but we need others around us. And so, one way is this. We are a visible witness to our community. In other words, people see the church and they see what love and unity looks like. The, the early church was seen. And in Acts chapter 2, 42-47, one of the descriptions of the early church is that the early church was active in public places. I, I think it uses the temple and the marketplaces that they, they were as Active presence, and you know they, they were still going to, to temple worship, and you know which is kind of mind blowing when you think about what Jesus had did. But they were still participating all the Jewish things, but they were there as followers of Jesus Christ, and people knew who they were. They were visible, and people could see them shared with one another, and people could see how they loved one another. 
And it was this public witness that Jesus had done something different in their life. Can, can I make an observation about just a general observation? It's not an accusation, but it's an observation. And I understand that we're busy with family. Everybody has all sorts of things that you're doing. But what I've noticed about big community events in Marysville is that unless we're working at a booth, I don't see a lot of our people at those events. Just being present in community. So, Pastor, so what? What, what difference does it make? Do you know there's a, a perception of church that's not reality, right? I, I don't want to be anti-media guy, but, but there's definitely a perception of church that media puts out to what church is like. And, you, you know, we're, we're bigoted. Uh, you know, you, we're, we're not accepting. Um, we, 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 we can't love everybody. You know, we, we, we're, we're judgmental. And I think sometimes that's happened in the church. I don't experience that in this church. I, I think you folks are extremely loving and could accept anyone that comes into this place and walk with them. May not agree with everything, right? Right? Most of the people experience church based on a misconception of what church is like. <laughs> and what the people in church is like. Um, I, I'm, I'm a lifelong Nazarene. And, and those of you that aren't lifelong Nazarenes won't, won't understand this, and maybe some of you that are won't even understand it. But in the Nazarene church, one of the things that, that we don't belong to is secret societies, right? Right? You guys don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? What's a secret society, Bob? Masons? Moose Lodge? You know, these are secret societies. You know, it's not a big deal to me. You know, I'm not, I'm not preaching it for this reason, but what I'm saying is this, that when I grew up, I had no clue what those insides of those buildings looked like. You know, they were a mystery to me. In, in my law practice, I had to go. Uh, we, we represented fraternal order, which meant that, that we had lots of cases involving cases with moose lodges and stuff. And, and so I'd go into these moose lodges and take witness statements or do depositions and do all these things. And I, and I became more aware of what was going on in those places. And it was far different than what I thought from the outside. You know what it is? They don't know where the hidden treasure is at all. It's just a bunch of old guys playing cards and spending time with one another. That, that's what it is. The perception of the church from out there is different than reality. And so if we want to change the perception, we have to be a visible presence in our community. And we're a visible presence, and we're witnesses of love and unity. Jesus says, they'll know you're my disciples by how you love each other. <laughs> that, that, that there'll be a unity, there'll be a love that's not seen anywhere else. People should want to be a part of our church simply because of the way we love and care for one another and the acceptance that they see. We are witnesses through compassion. And so we do serve day. 
that is a visible witness of the church present in the community and serving. Uptown Friday nights. You know, maybe you're thinking, oh, what's the point of that? The point of that is we are the church and we're loving and we're giving and we're accepting and we're painting faces. So, Pastor, how, how much of a difference can that make? I don't know. God uses little things to do big things. We're witness through single mother's meals. Each meal that we serve is a witness of the compassion and love of this church. When we go on work and witness trips, we're a witness of our compassion. What's the point? Sharing the good news is a team sport. <laughs> we, we do this together. We do this together so people can see our love for one another and our love for God. People can, we, we share better because there's, there's power in team. We'll probably be emphasizing Love You See, which was the spring series um, here pretty quick during um, our, our Christmas series. We'll probably focus on it more. And there's some things that we may do with other churches through the Christmas season that I hope that you participate in. But, but Love You See, I, I think the one thing I would say about Love You See that concerns me is that people can begin to see that it is a, is a solo endeavor. That's me and the eight around me. But, but I believe God's calling us to be aware of the eight around us, but also aware of the Christians on our block so that we could begin praying and moving in our neighborhoods, in our natural relationships. What's the emphasis for this week? Every week we've been trying to do an emphasis, and the emphasis is, is Nazarene Missions International. You may not know this, but you belong to an international church. That Marysville Nazarene is not a standalone. That there's churches all over the world that are known as Nazarenes. As a matter of fact, I believe, and Bob correct me if I'm wrong, Nazarene missions existed before the Nazarene church. That there were missionaries present that represented our, our people before there was an official church. Nazarene missions is fundamental to, to who we are. Now, now, Nazarene missions has evolved over the years. It's changed. As a matter of fact, it's, it's in the process of, of rebranding, changing. But, but Nazarene missions uh, primarily used to be outside this country, right? But, but we recognize now, do you realize other countries are now sending missionaries to the United States, right? That this is now, we are, not, we are not outside the mission field. We are the mission field. And so Nazarene missions includes things like uh, lower lights. Lower lights is a part of Nazarene missions, right, Josh? Or, or accepted part of Compassionate Ministries. Compassionate Ministries. Uh, we, we had Jacob Hawes in from um, Mission Toledo. That is a part of Nazarene missions. So Nazarene missions is in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. It's everywhere. And so we support that in a number of ways. One way we, we support it is through prayer. We, we, re, we read the books when, when they're available. We, 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 we do those kind of things. We give to Alabaster. And Alabaster, we'll, we'll talk about that some other time. It's just a time we bring our spare change and we give to build orphanages, orphanages and parsonages and churches and medical facilities. We give through what's called faith promise. Uh, and, and 
in this church, we have, you guys are so faithful and so generous, aren't they, Harold? You have a faithful, generous church. I mean, we talk about money, but, but the truth is, you are an extremely generous people. I, I am so blessed to pastor a church where people give. Now, now, many of you have been given to faith promise for years and years and years. And, and faith promise, in your bulletin, there's a card. It, it's, it's faith promise. Every dollar you give towards faith promise goes towards worldwide evangelism. It does not go to the local church. And so many of you, including your pastor, uh, will weekly give a small amount because giving weekly a small amount, like we do in All In, weekly a small amount can add up to a greater amount. I tried to figure out how much, and then when we receive that money, we have a budget that we pay that we send off to, do you send that to Kansas City or to the district? Send that to Kansas City, which is the worldwide headquarters of the Church of the Nazarene, and they use their funds to sponsor missionaries all over the world. As a matter of fact, my, my daughter-in-law, her, her dad was a medical doctor in Papua New Guinea, and now her brother runs the hospital in Papua New Guinea. My, my daughter-in-law was a missionary's kids that the generosity of people like you enabled her family to serve and love. And so what I'd like you to do is just prayerfully take the card home. Pray about it. That this isn't tithe, that this is something above tithe. You know, to, your, your pastor, I mean, you, you don't need to know exact numbers that I give, but I want you to know that, that I weekly give a tithe, I weekly give to Faith Promise, and I weekly give to our building fund, our all in. That, that's how I give. And then I think I give a dollar a week for alabaster because I don't like gathering my change, okay? You don't have to do that. Just, that's just laziness there. But weekly. Just as a matter of course, it comes out. And I'd like you to pray about this. There's many of you that have been giving, and you don't even think about it anymore. It's just what you do. It's just to check you're right, that you've written it for years and years. But there's some of you that maybe you haven't understood exactly what we're talking about. What we've had in the past, missionaries come in and talk about it. And so I'm doing it a little bit different today. Because what we found is that people were given, continued to give, <laughs> and the people that weren't, continued to not. <laughs> and so we, we didn't know if, if you were hearing exactly what we were trying to get you to hear. That The point is this, your church supports a worldwide mission. And, and it's, it's, it's in essence a tithe from the church to, to, the, to the global mission. I, I tried to figure it out. Oh man, I've got I've gone too long. I said finally like 25 minutes ago, didn't I? I'm sorry. Harold, what do you think? A million dollars over the life of this church has been given towards missions or more? And the church has been in existence for 50 years, 60, nearly 60 years. Now, you didn't give that much to begin with, but, but currently we give close to 25000 a year. And so it's very likely that over the course of this years, this church has given more than a million dollars for the worldwide evangelism, the worldwide mission. How many people are in heaven because you have been faithful in your giving. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. Lord, help us. 
um, just in these moments to reflect on you and reflect on your goodness.